Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back with another Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Game Source. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. Well, he's back again. We're trying to go ahead and stick it through the crisis together. Uh, all of us here, what we're going through on a worldwide basis. I know, it's, you know things are, are getting pretty tough for us right now, but you know what? We are sticking to it together, and we just truly want to appreciate everyone out there for doing what they can to help others from not getting sick, social distancing, staying at home, the whole nine yards. We know it's tough, but we truly appreciate everyone out there making the extra effort to do so. Plus, also want to give a big thank you to all the healthcare workers out there. Please want to go ahead and say from all of us here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and all the great shows and all the great people that we, you know, that I go ahead and interview and are part of the show. I'm sure I can speak, you know, really, really soundly from all of them. Just a big thank you to all the healthcare workers. I know I'm married to one, so I'm very fortunate enough indeed that I get to say thank you for her efforts each and every day. But to all the healthcare workers out around the world that listen to the show, we cannot thank you enough for your efforts. But there is, you know, always some stuff going on when it concerns the NBA. And here again to talk about it is the man indeed from Lakerholics.net. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as the guy behind Lakerholics.net. Be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. It is Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, always good to have you back on the show. It's a pleasure, Gerald. I'm looking forward to uh, having anything to do uh, during the long days. Uh, I've watched so many replays of games, and uh, I'm binge reading books of uh, my favorite authors that I can't remember because I'm too old. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to spend a few minutes with you talking about some of the things that we love, which is the game of basketball and the NBA. Well, I'll tell you what, it's just so interesting to see the different things people are doing with their time off. I even sent you a article in regards <laughs> to Walmart sales about how many millions of popsicles are being purchased, a.k.a. popsicle sticks that right. are being used to go ahead and construct things and play things. I want to see these things on the social networks that are out there and the Internet. I want to start seeing these creations come to come to fruition if so many people are buying popsicles for that specific purpose, obviously to enjoy them as well. But, you know, a lot of people are going ahead and making those nice popsicle stick houses. I haven't done so in a long time, but I know a lot of people are as well, trying to rediscover all these different hobbies indoors. And to me, obviously you cannot, with the seriousness of the situation, This it's just nice to see some of these things that we're forgetting about for all these years suddenly coming back to in our lives rediscovering things that we just have forgotten about for quite some time well you know you got to take advantage of any situation that you get no matter how distressing it can be i've always been one of those people who's always looking for the silver linings and so there are some silver linings i get to spend time with my wife that i wouldn't normally have time without the pressure of you know going out with friends and doing other things She's gone on a cooking binge like crazy, but she's discovered just like you did with the popsicle sticks that you can't get flour anymore. <laughs> it's amazing. And eggs are in huge shortage. So they're joining toilet paper and popsicle sticks. And it's it's just amazing. And then, you know, we've uh, my daughter-in-law's birthday is today. And so we had to celebrate via FaceTime. Uh, she uh, drove up in her car and dropped off our groceries for the week. 
<laughs> backed her car into the garage as I emptied it out. And then I take it into that. I take it into a table on the deck and sanitize everything before we move it into the house. So we're we're trying to do our part in the social distancing. I just like to chime in on your thanks to the healthcare workers. I just cannot understand how stressful it has to be to not have the proper equipment to protect yourself, and you're dealing all day with sick people, and then you have to go home to your family and hope that you're not going to infect them with something. It's just a, you know we've got several uh, first responders who are who are longtime bloggers and including one paramedic and and uh, you know he he's already told stories about how in between treating people he and his his mates will just sit there and cry because they they don't have the proper equipment they're reusing masks and and uh, gloves and and it's just it's you know trying to sterilize everything as best they can. But it just puts such pressure on them and their families. So all of those people, they're the heroes of the day. They're the people that are really saving us. And uh, they're the soldiers in this war we have against coronavirus. So my best to them and, and my hopes and prayers go out to them, them and their families. And all of the thanks for the great job that they're doing under extremely difficult situations. Absolutely. You know, we, as we spoke of in the past two weeks, and you've been very vocal about it and, it, you know, a lot of the news, the numbers are there as far as the lack of equipment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the reasons why and the reasons behind it. I uh, don't want to really go into detail about it, but I just will say that they're facing an uphill battle when it comes to the, the healthcare workers around the world, and they're doing the best they can to provide any help that they can to get everyone well. And my hat's off to them once again from all of us here at the Lakers Fast Break. You know, when you look at the numbers, it's, it is really totally scary. The thing that we, two days ago or a day ago, it was 2,000, I think 110,000 infected and 2,000 deaths in the United States. And it's doubling every two days. And Trump has announced now that, uh, I guess, really just repeating what his experts are telling him, which is Dr. Fauci, that... 14 days is going to be the peak of this thing in the United States. If you take 14 days divided by doubling every two days, that's seven times, two to the seventh power. You apply that to the number of cases, and you're talking about 12 to 13 million cases in two weeks compared to 110,000 a day. And if you take the deaths of 2,000 deaths and you apply that same exponential, you're talking a quarter million people. So this next two weeks are going to be about as stressful as we've ever seen in our lifetimes as far as a medical emergency goes. You know, you're talking about 14 days where the number of people that die every day is going to be equal to 9-11. And so how do we deal with this as a society? And I still see pictures in the paper of they have a new uh, ship that's... Uh, in New York, that's going to be a hospital ship. And there's crowds of people packed together, you know. And then you have some of these religious leaders who are believing that somehow their belief in God is going to protect them from the virus, and they're bringing their flocks together. And, uh, and there's been several instances already we've seen where, where religious gatherings have spread out all over countries and all over the world in some cases and caused incredible and incredible routes of infection going through it as much as we want everybody to to do the things that you need to do to keep this from infecting people it's just amazing that people still aren't doing enough you know they're still risking their lives and all of the lives of the, their fellow citizens by not staying home and and avoiding and self-isolating themselves so that they do not become part of the problem so I don't know, you know, it's how you can go to Mardi Gras and then, you know, do this type of stuff or, or have a coronavirus party, actually, and, and infect people. I pray to God that we're going to get through the next 14 days, Gerald, but it's, it's going to be something that's, that's going to be very difficult as we look at the numbers every day. And you, and you have to just realize for every one of those, every one of those hundreds of thousands that are going to lose their lives now, there's families that are just going to be devastated. And I don't know how we can deal with that. You know, you just, 
there's not going to be, you know, we're not going to go back to normal. That's for sure. It's going to be a new normal, you know, and I just go, I just hope that we somehow can survive this whole thing. So anything that I can do to add a little normalcy to it, whether it's a blog like this or writing a, writing an article that nobody will read, you know, uh, and, and keeping up the conversation on lakecarolics.net, just trying to provide some sanctuary for people to, to be able to hang on to whatever little bits of, of what used to be a pretty, nor a pretty nice standard normal life that we all had here in America, you know, um, which is going to get shattered over the next few weeks. You can do all the finger pointing you want out there in society, but the fact is that the horse has already left the barn, as I always like to say, and, you know, it's already too late to go ahead and, and you can't go back. And playing Monday morning quarterback in a situation like this doesn't really do anything to go ahead and help you in the future right now. I mean, you can go ahead once this thing is over and you go, like you said, Tom, to the new normal and you can find out exactly what were the steps that we took that were wrong? What were the things that we did that were incorrect? And we can go ahead and try and, and build for the future so that it and prevent it from happening again. But hopefully we can go ahead further as a species, not just us here in America, but as a species because of all the hard hit areas out there, learn from our mistakes and go forward. And hopefully, God forbid, the next time around, but statistics will say there's going to be a next time around at some point in time that we will be better prepared for it as a species to go ahead and fight off something like this once again. I have this constant battle with my wife because I'm the optimist in the family, so to speak, and she's a realist. And so I'll, I'll, and I still, I still try to hang on to this belief, despite everything I'm reading and everything I'm hearing. And that belief is that out of this horrid, terrible, devastating pandemic, some good will come. You know, we may see a change in our politics. We may see a change in, in our preparation in the future for events that will happen like this. We may see a change in life that that you know all of these heroes that are saving people's lives and and making tough decisions and so forth. Maybe we'll get an appreciation for that, and maybe we'll have a more civil and a more responsive future just because of this. My wife basically tends to look at it the other way and says that you know it's not going to be as good a life for our grandkids as it was for us. Uh, things are going to be harsher, so we'll have to see what comes out of it. There are some good news today, I think. Uh, I was impressed with the fact that at least now, finally, there seem to be two new tests that will give you a 45-minute and one of them a 15-minute result back. So hopefully those have been approved by the FDA, and hopefully they can really ramp up production of those. Um, because testing basically is the main reason we got into this problem. We haven't had any really good numbers to really guide what to do, and you know. If you could test almost everybody without having to worry about the number of tests, you could find where the pockets are and you could start to isolate people and, and not have to deal with mass bludgeoning of the entire society by putting everybody, you know, basically locking them in their houses and so forth or or doing what Trump wanted to do in quarantine cities where you, you've got National Guard at the borders to keep everybody in. Uh, those Those really start to look like the dystopian movies and that seem to be flooding every channel nowadays. So hopefully some of the good news will come through and maybe somebody will come up with some solutions to the problem. We'll get a virus, we'll get a vaccine sooner than we expect, or we'll just basically have a whole lot of people who get it. And the ones that survive at least are going to be hopefully immune and they can start bringing society back, you know, and bringing our economy back. So you just have to look at the positives of them. I think, most of the bad things that have happened in the world, the, war, the huge world wars, you can always find things afterwards that pointed out that were results that, that came out positive things that came out of the tragedies of those things. So hopefully we'll see that happen with this thing and the sooner the better. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where 
Here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Once again, I'm speaking to Tom Wong, a.k.a. Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net. Be part of the conversation to talk coronavirus. You can do that there. But you can also talk a lot of other great things, including basketball, especially basketball and the Los Angeles Lakers, right at Lakerholics.net. Well, there's a lot of good things that we can talk about on today's show. I know we got off to a coronavirus start and you just can't seem to avoid it. I know a lot of people out there are just trying hard to do so and just wanted to go ahead and you know just share our thoughts on what's going on around the world. I will say that for Lakers fans, they are worried about when is this thing going to get over with? I know we've discussed on a previous show as far as when the season could possibly start again or when could another season begin if they go ahead and cancel this whole season out? So one of the things that has been proposed is a late start to December for the NBA season. And one of the things that's been talked about previously before all this came out with the coronavirus is shortening the season in the first place. Now, I know that for a lot of people out there, they don't follow the NBA until it comes to right about now. February, March, that's when people start tuning in. That's when numbers start to go up because people are excited about the playoffs and whatnot. But for a lot of other people, like hardcores like us, we're watching week to week, game by game. So I ask you, my friend, it looks like for at least this upcoming season, not talking about the season that we're currently in, hopefully we'll get completed with a Lakers World Championship. <laughs> you know how I got that in there. But there is a possibility because the the season next season will most likely start later in the year, possibly as late as December. Do you see this as possibly a permanent move going forward? Because there's so many voices out there that says shorten the season, shorten the season, shorten the season. I want to hear your thoughts on if shortening the season is the answer that people have been looking for and that this could be the reason why this all happened. One of the things you have to look at is there's arguments for and against that. And I, and I think that there's some definitely some strong arguments for having a shorter season, especially it seems like there's just been more and more injuries to key players and the wear and tear that they get. And it's funny, the one thing I haven't heard, you could imagine if you were to propose shortening the season for Major League Baseball. And immediately you have an uproar from all of the all of the people who are looking at the records. And, and I, I do understand that baseball is more obsessed with the integrity of their records than maybe basketball is. But the idea of going to 66 games or 68 games, I, I tend to I tend to like that idea, but what I don't like is the alternative or making up for the six or seven games that you're giving up or the four four to six games you're giving up, which is a sort of preseason tournament they're talking about. But getting back to your question about starting the season in December, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. There's some obvious reasons. Number one being that when you start in October, you're right up, you head into right into the World Series and the middle of the NFL. And so that makes it a very difficult competition and nobody really pays attention to the league until he, until really you get to the Christmas Day games. And so the idea that's been put out there by a lot of people is, why don't we just start the, the season on Christmas Day? Um, it's always been one of the biggest days for the games that are happening. And if you're starting the season, my God, everybody is zero and zero at that point in time. So it's just the perfect timing to do that. And then I think the reality sets in that whether we – cancel this season or whether we resume this season 
for sure, we're not in any position to be going into training camp in September and October like we have in the past. Um, so you're you're looking automatically now at having to start next season in December probably or November, something like that. So if you're going to do that, you're not going to try to, you know, we've already had one season that's going to get truncated. And I mean truncated by a good number of games. You know, we're going to be lucky if we hit 70 games. But, you know, they're going to probably, even if, they, even if the league resumes, they're only going to play enough games to get people back into shape. And maybe not even that. They may even go straight into a tournament. But they're probably going to do something that gives you a little bit of a preseason. So, and they're going to wait as long as possible before they cancel the season. So if the coronavirus pandemic doesn't allow them to resume the season, it's still going to mean that there's no decision and they, they won't be able to start pre-camp like they were planning. So automatically, we're automatically now on a schedule where December is probably the earliest you could possibly start the season. So once you've done that and you look at all of the arguments about avoiding the, the NBA, avoiding the NFL and avoiding the Major League Baseball World Series and so forth, uh, it just makes a lot of sense to to be looking at a season that would, you know, start in December and run through August, maybe or late July, possibly. You know, so it's uh, and then there's, I've seen some good schedules of when you would run the when you would have the draft and when you would have free agency and so forth. Uh, when you have the summer league in Vegas and in, in like September, and they all make a lot of sense. So I think that that's going to be, you know, call it one of those silver linings that you get out of a tragic situation like we have with the season being suspended and possibly canceled or at least resumed and, and finished with, you know, one of the biggest asterisks you put next to it as to how it's going to win because most of the most of the expectations are that there's going to be some sort of tournament, some sort of playoff type of tournament to get down to the final four or the final two players, teams that are going to play. They're not going to they're not going to go through the whole season and they're not going to have one game. You know, it's, it's, it, you just can't play four seven game series. It takes two months to do that. Uh, and then you got the other issues of how do you keep the players safe? You know, what happened when Rudy Gobert came up, tested positive, man, the league shut down. So they started up again to resume the season and one or two players ends up testing positive. It's going to be a disaster. And then, and then you're left in that same situation all over again. So the only way you can prevent that is quarantining them. And, you know, how, how long can you quarantine people? You're going to quarantine a bunch of athletes like that, like it's a, the Olympics or something. You know, I, you probably can't do it for more than three or four weeks at the most. So you've got to have some sort of compressing of the season. But I like the idea of the season starting in, in December. I think it makes a lot more sense than October for the NBA. And I think the realities of the situation make it the logical next step as to whether or not you would reduce the season from 82 games to 66 games and throw in a tournament in the middle of the year. I don't know. I, I, th I think when you come back to it and you look at, there's some positives and negatives into this argument. The first one is that it is not going to be the same situation when we go back next year the world is going to be changed. The economies of the world are going to be changed. So if there's a point in time when you make a decision to reduce the number of games, which means reducing the revenue that the league is going to generate, you got the perfect time to do it. You know, you couldn't probably couldn't have done it without a whole lot of furor uh, from the owners and even from the players uh, because fewer games means fewer, less revenue, which means less salaries and less profits for everybody. So we've got a unique situation with, uh, with the pandemic causing all of this economic chaos. Um, the flip side of that, though, is that a lot of owners may not want to reduce the games at that point in time. If you're making less per game and you're doing fewer games, that's really going to hurt your revenue. The China situation now has been exacerbated. China is re-looking at all of the relationships, the Olympic relationships or trade relationships. And everything, uh, and it's, you can see countries all around the world. Possibly, you know, Europe, the European Union may not survive this whole thing, just depending on how bad things get over there. I mean, you got some counties and states in America that, and all of a sudden, borders are starting to become something that's a lot more important. You know, 
So our politics is not going to be the same. Our our economies are not going to be the same. And professional sports, not just basketball, but baseball and football, all are going to have to look at the new reality of uh, the new normal that's going to occur once we're done with this whole thing. So the NBA, I think, you know, everything, this whole thing started really with Rudy Gobert. He was he wasn't patient zero, but as far as what's happened in professional sports, he was patient zero. He was the one who triggered everything off. So I think the NBA made aggressive first steps and, and they acted very fast and very decisively and they made the right decisions. I wish that the administration that's running this country had made similar type of decisions when they were faced with that information. But I do think that the NBA will probably be among the leaders in how they address the new reality that we're all going to be living in once the coronavirus has been defeated. And I'm sure it will be defeated at some point in time. You either make everybody immune or kill them as, as the result of this type of situation. And so thank God at least this pandemic is is not fatal like 10% like like movie contagion or 50% like the movie. It contagion. is in Italy right now. That's yeah. the problem. It is in Italy. It depends yeah. on the actual area of the world, but for the most part, it is poor under- people. A lot of old people in Italy has an oldest population of any of the of any of the developed countries. Yeah, and they're also saying health is a factor too. Overall health, and also religious organizations that had huge meetings and spread out all over the country. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and, but for the most part, it's staying under three percent. You know, and that's uh, the next one may not be as benign. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But the Lakers have something to look forward to whenever season gets started. Hopefully that they can go ahead. And I think that Le- even though LeBron cannot stand this delay, this rest, I think it's the best thing for them right now. And I think they're one of the teams that are going to take the, the you know the greatest advantage of it. Sure, Brooklyn can pop out two all-stars now, you know, from an eight seed that they're in currently or seven seed or whatever. But I think for the most part right now that there are teams that are getting healthy and it would be interesting to see when we have that shorter playoff season to go ahead and see the type of action that can come from Mm -hmm. it because there will be a much greater sense of urgency within the framework of playoffs. And there's so many different dynamics we could now see because Philadelphia Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will be a lot healthier as well. So that's something to think about right there. But before we go ahead and head on to another subject, I just want to say you've got to think, though, that in its current format before the coronavirus hit, the NBA was relevant 11 months out of the year. And that's not including an Olympic year where you can realistically say it goes into almost 12 months out of the year that they're on the tips there, of the there's no off season to the NBA. Yeah, exactly. So next year the Olympics are in July, which could conflict with whatever shortened season that you have with the NBA, and that's something that they're going to have to think about going forward. But doing it long term, I am personally thinking that they should go ahead and stick with an 82 game schedule. I'm I'm one of those not because of a traditionalist, mind you, but uh, it's more money for the players. And it's also more money for the television outlets. And it's more opportunities for the fans to really get into the product. And for me, I don't think it's a long enough season. I know for some others that they think the season is dragged out. Comparative to baseball, where you just tune out baseball for certain months of the year, even if you are a sports fan, you just it just sits there like, like noise sometimes in the background when you see the highlights or the highlights are just appear on your TV and you just forget about baseball because there's just so many games, 162 of them. 82 is not that many in comparison, but I understand the way that they stretch it out currently. And maybe 11 months out of the year, the NBA being relevant is a little too much. But again, shortening it, financially for a lot of individuals, including the people that are working hard at the arenas, which we're now finally remembering and finally thinking about during this time of crisis, they get impacted too. If there are less games out there, there are less games for them to work. There are less games for them to go ahead and earn money, earn paychecks, earn money for their families, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, there's a, you know, a circumstance if you go ahead and shorten the season 
and something that, okay, if you do this, then this is going to happen. I know next year, obviously, it's going to be some type of truncated season. It has to be, and maybe even for the next couple years after that. But eventually, we will be able to get the opportunity to go ahead and create a long, regular schedule once again. And the choices and the definition of what that schedule will be will probably be made in the next collective bargaining agreement, and we'll go from there. But before people just go ahead and say, hey, you know what? We need to shorten the season. We need to shorten the season. We need to shorten the season. Not only will it affect the players, owners, which I know a lot of people don't care about because they're in the 1%, and I get that, but it's also going to affect a lot of other people. It's going to affect more people as far as a group that are not players and owners. It's going to affect them more and also affect the fans as well. Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast, My Worst Holiday, and you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. I, th- I think the NBA, the comment that it, there really is no offseason for the NBA is a tribute to what a great job Adam Silver's done in, in, in creating interest every month and so forth. But the problem is, is the guys who work the arena, <laughs> the guys who work the arena and do all of that support and, and, and take care of the crowds and sell the tickets and sell you the hot dogs and man all of those stations, they definitely have an offseason. And if you cut the number of games down, you're cutting their hours down. You know, I, I still I still agree with you too, Gerald. I think I think it's a, an 82 game season. I think obviously we won't have an 82 game season this year, but I actually think that we may next year. I know that there's an opportunity for them to to change those things, but I'm a little bit of that traditionalist. I'd hate to see the 82 games and all of the records that go. I mean, it just affects everything. It affects your rebounding records, your scoring records, your opportunity to become a legend you know it just changes everything so dramatically that i dislike doing that and and i'm listen i'm an analytics driven guy and i'm not usually one of those old school proponents that is against this or that you know i've i've agreed with a lot of the rules changes and so forth and i do agree the game's not the same game i mean the mike and era was not the bill russell era was not the you know the magic and bird era which is not the Kobe era or the Michael Jordan era, you know, and the new era that we got right now with the Steph Curry shooting threes and, and the Rockets doing all their damage from deep and so forth. The analytics area, if you, if you will, all of those things do change the game. And I've always been a person who said, you can't have a goat for the game because the game has changed. You can have a goat for each era of the game, but you can't have one person that because they didn't play by the same rules or the same sets of circumstances. But even even admitting all of those things, I like 82 games. I'm a Yankee fan. I subscribe to the Yankee, uh, to these, I don't even know what they call it, sort of the version of League Pass that Major League Baseball has. But most of the time, I've got the sound off on the Yankee games, and I'm sitting there reading a book or doing something else, simply because there are 182 of those suckers. And that's, uh, you know, those are a lot of games. That's what they make the playoffs so, or exhibition yeah. games or whatnot. If I watched every one of those games, my wife would just disown me and move out. So there's a there's a limit to it. You know, my wife would probably like to see the NBA cut down to 30 games. Uh, or like some people say, why don't we just watch the fourth quarter and the playoffs? You know, it's all you have to do all season long. And you, you can get a lot of extra time for, for binge watching on television or whatever it happens to be. But I do think that there's something to be said about keeping it at 82 games. Uh, and primarily, it's I know that they think that they can substitute this midseason tournament, but I don't see how that can work at all. Um, I think that of all of them, I've usually been very impressed with how the league has made some smart marketing moves, you know. But I just don't see any interest in watching a midseason tournament that doesn't count in the standings. And, and I, you know, just, it's not something that I would think I would be even interested in watching, you know, kind of like preseason games, you know, 
Well, there is a lot to think about when it comes to changing the schedule, but definitely the NBA is going to have to look at it, look at it hard, obviously for the next couple seasons. But then again, going forward in the new collective bargain agreement, where are they going to go ahead from there? Are they going to make it a permanent deal? 78 games, 68 games, 60 games, or are they going to keep it an 82 game schedule and go from there? You know, there's some great Laker games in history. As a Lakers fan, everyone will remember. There's usually one or two that will touch your life in, in so many different ways. Uh, you know, there, there's some special moments that we talk about, like we did on last show, as far as shots are concerned, great Laker shots in history. But there are also some great Laker games. Uh, you know, I think there are a lot to talk about when, you know, the times that you watch the game or you listen to the game, you listen to Chick Hearn or you watch the game on ESPN or you, you watched it on CBS or even when you watched it way back when it was on KHJ TV Channel 9 in Los Angeles. I want to ask you, my friend, there are some special games, some special moments in time that really affect Lakers fans personally. I know it differs from fan to fan, so I want to hear your thoughts on Laker games in your mind that really touch your heart as a Lakers fan. Well, you know what's really interesting is I – I've started watching some of these games that are on uh, on TV, you know, that they don't have regular games to go. So they're showing you some of the old games. And I've been looking at some of the old games that I never watched in person because I was listening to them on the radio. And so it's interesting to see the games that, and, and a lot of these were simulcast with Chick calling the game, you know, both on the radio and television at the same time. And so it's kind of interesting looking at some of those games. I've watched a couple of the old Celtics games. And some of them, I wasn't even sure that I remember the game. You know, it's almost like my wife always accuses me of being able to watch movies that I haven't seen for a few years because I don't remember the movie, you know. And she says, you know, we've seen this movie before. And I'll, I'll sometimes I'll see a scene that I remember. But I can't remember. Some of these games, I don't know whether I really watched them or I've forgotten them. But it's kind of interesting because I can remember so many calls that I heard to Chick Hearn making on games. And then there's also the situation that there's games that Chick didn't call because they were on national television. You miss having Chick Hearn call them, and instead you've got all of these different voices. So we've gone, I've gone through the years and seen some of these. I watched some UCLA games uh, that were on the tube, too, with Dick Enberg calling the games, some of the Kareem's games and Walton's games for the Bruins. And those were just amazing games. I can remember, I can remember being a kid because those games were all always played at 11 p.m. at night because they would never broadcast them live, but they would have replays at 11 o'clock at night after UCLA had played the game. You would be able to turn on. I think it was Channel Nine again too. You'd be able to turn on the TV and watch the UCLA game. So I've seen a lot of those games. I watched the the Boston game where. Uh, where we lost that game on the bounce from the Don Nelson shot. I watched that game, and that was just incredible. I, I watched the other Boston game. It wasn't against the Lakers where uh, Bird stole the ball. I mean, that was just an incredible. He, with three seconds left, he steals the inbound pass, passes it off, and gets a, passes it off to, to a player who makes a layup and wins the game. You know, and then there's been hordes of, of tweets with just – excerpts of games and last minute shots and so forth. So it's been an incredible medley of things that are going in there. I, I you know, I, my favorite, my favorite games are still the ones that have the favorite shots. I can't separate those out, you know, uh, magic skyhook, you know, uh, Ori's jumper from the top of the key, you know, uh, Kobe's pass to Shaq against the Portland trailblazers. Uh, Kobe's jump shot off of the jump ball against the Suns, you know, um, where he came down and hit that shot. Kobe's dunk over Steve Nash, you know, in, in one of those games against the Suns. Uh, so there's so many of those great games that it's hard for me to separate all of them out. And, you know, all of them just bring back, every time you see one of those games, it reminds you of another game. You know, think about uh, Fish's, you know, .04 shot, jump shot, and what a perfect pass it had to be to get somebody to be able to hit a shot with .4 seconds left. So those are, you know, those are probably still, you know, I, to me, it's the same conversation, the game versus the shot. It's, it's very hard to separate them out for me. Uh, for me, no, not so much. For me, really? there are specific games 
because, for instance, Lakers versus Portland mm -hmm. in the Western Conference Finals, where the Lakers were down by 15, 15. in the fourth yep. quarter, that's a full game to me. That's a game where you see the ebbs and tides, you see the flows, you see the highs and the lows, you see the fans, because this took place in the Los Angeles Forum, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Staples Center at that point in time, I yeah. believe. And you see the, the crowd was dead at the end of the, the crowd was awful. Day. The crowd was the crowd was dead. The crowd was very sad, very somber. They thought that Portland was on its way. They were already starting to celebrate on the bench. Yep. You could see it already. And the comeback that ensued over the course of that next 12 to 15 minutes was truly incredible to watch. And that to me is the the epitome of a game that that I think a lot of people enjoy. You talk about other games in history in force that, that people can relate to from a modern sense. You can take a look at the Sacramento game where you talked about Vlade tipping it out to Robert Ory by accident and Robert Horry hitting that three-pointer. But you talk about the whole game in detail back and forth in, in Sacramento. You talk about the intensity of that game. You talk about that rivalry at that point in time. And it really ensued and it encompassed that entire game in detail about the back and forth between those two teams. And that's a game I will always remember. And then you have games like in the, well, I often refer to it when I talk about Dwight Howard lovingly now, but not so lovingly in the past. But game four of the 2009 championships against Orlando and in a game where the Lakers need to be tough, where they were often criticized at that point in time because Boston the year before had completely destroyed mm -hmm. them in the championship series. And a lot of people were questioning their toughness because they got blown out in that last game of the season, the previous championship series. They came back strong and they fought tough and they fought hard against a very stout. And what looks to be now, in hindsight, a team built for now more than any other team in the yep. past in Orlando yep. because they were a bunch of three-point shooters in Dwight Howard. And funny how that is, that it has evolved into something like that now. That's what we want now out of our teams. But need I digress? But thanks to Dwight Howard's shooting, but some real toughness on the Lakers' part. Especially Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was just took over that game. Yes, he did. But the, the contributions from Pau Gasol, Trevor Ariza in that second half, bringing the Lakers back. He was just, a, what, a second-year player, rookie player at that point in time. and just his intensity in that second half from a, what usually people describe as a very quiet individual, very uh, an individual that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle, but is a very good has been a very good player throughout his career. He stepped up to the plate in that second yeah. half. He helped the Lakers get them kickstarted where Kobe started to go ahead and process that and get that through in the fourth quarter so they could get it to overtime. And then we all know the shot where <laughs> Kobe gets the ball he elbows Jameer Nelson into oblivion and then passes out to Derek Fisher for the three-pointer from 30 feet away to go ahead, really you know, take a strong lead. But Derek Fisher's shot to get it even to overtime, that was something special. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great memories from the entire game. And then obviously one of the most satisfying outside of one of the early uh, Celtics versus Lakers rivalry games back in the 80s where the Lakers won on the Celtics home court. And that was truly an enjoyable scene. And the, as far as winning a championship on the Celtics home court at Boston Garden, that was very enjoyable. Yes, there is the game where, you know, you have Magic Johnson, the baby hook, but actually winning it and taking that sheer weight off your back. When Kobe had a terrible game shooting too. Well, that, well, I'm not talking. Well, I'm not talking about the the 2010 yet. I'm not talking about that oh, yet. Okay. I'm talking about. I'm leading into that game, but I'm talking about before my memories of the 1980s and when the Lakers, you know, as Celtics rivalry. There was the year that the Lakers won in Boston Garden, and it just proved to be such a great and satisfying victory for them because of the fact that they were able to go ahead and take that weight that monstrous weight for so many years that was on their back because oh. they could not win in the Boston garden. They could not win consistently there at all. And they took that weight off their back by going ahead and, and lost eight, times, eight times they'd lost in the finals to them before that game. Yes, exactly. So, you know what, my props to them for that. And I always remember those early years and the, and the, the years that they were so successful in the eighties, but 
again, 2010, as you referred to, such a great victory for them. It's such an ugly game. So it's not a game, if you're a purist, you actually want to ever relive in your entire life again because it's an actual awful game to watch if you're watching from a basketball sense. But as far as the intensity, as far as two teams, and you got to give Boston Celtics credit for going there after Kendrick Perkins broke his leg. And I saw, uh, you know, and I was watching that game, but the day before I was in L.A. and I had actually gone to L.A. Live and I was actually eating at ESPN Zone and saw the day after Kendrick Perkins broke his leg and he was there with two other players, I think Ray Allen and, and uh, I don't know if it was KG or not, but yeah, he was there. He had the leg propped up and all that, you know, just seeing the grit and grind that both teams had with the Lakers and Andrew Bynum, his knees were already shot at that point in time and he couldn't give you much, but just to see the grit and grind, the, the, you know, to see the intensity there, and to see the fight that both teams had and give it everything they got, it was a slugfest. It was a slugfest. It was a war. It was a, you know an ugly game to watch as far as from a basketball standpoint, but it was a beautiful game to watch as far as intensity, as far as emotion, as far as the, the drive that both teams had. Both teams were, were really trying to go ahead, and Celtics were trying to stake their claim on their legacy and prove that their victory two years prior was real. And the Lakers were trying to go ahead and prove that their championship was real and go back to back and put an exclamation point. And I'm sure glad that they did. Kobe in that fourth quarter started to really come on. We had Meta World Peace. He has those spots in Lakers history where he really contributed and those spots where he was a headache. But I prefer the, the spots where he was mm-hmm. really something special. And this was that time. And, and Pau Gasol, everybody contributed, even though they didn't contribute as well on the scoreboard with their shooting. It was a very ugly game to watch as far as from a basketball aesthetic sense, but a beautiful game to watch with the emotion. And I remember being so satisfied once again, like I was when I was a boy, when the Lakers beat the Celtics really for the first time in a championship series in the 80s. I remember that just as well later on in 2010 when they beat the Celtics once again. And it was just such a satisfying victory. Don't give me Kendrick Perkins' broken leg was the difference because we had our injuries too. So I think it was a tit-for-tat. Two even teams battling out, both teams focusing on the defense, which the Lakers weren't really known for at that point in time, focusing on a defensive intensity that I've seen very rarely ever in any other basketball game. Those were really great games. And, What's what's really surprising about it is how many how many times it was not the superstar on the teams that made huge plays, you know, that made the winning shots and differences. Whether it was Ori and in the situations of Fish making big plays, Meta getting that one rebound and on that missed shot and putting that up. I mean, you go through the and you go through it on both sides. It's one of the things that a lot of people forget is that a lot of those big plays were made by players who weren't the superstars on the team where they made critical plays. And that same thing is followed in almost all of that. I think that's one of the things that stands out to me about basketball that you only have compared to baseball or football, only have five guys on each team who's on the floor at the same time. And so the opportunities for guys to be repeat heroes, if you will, in the game of basketball is a lot more than it is in baseball or, or football even. Uh, you see so many great plays. It's, I mean, rarely do you see anybody other than the superstars making the great plays in other sports. But in basketball, it seems to happen more often just because of the numbers, obviously, but more often than it does in the other sports. These are magical games that have stuck with me and stuck with you over the course of our lives. Just truly incredible times, and I'm hoping for more great times going forward in the not-too-distant and also the future going forward for the Los Angeles Lakers. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. 
It's your boy, Flavor, Flav, and Full Effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The Dutch. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. Just <laughs> <laughs> they be fighting the power, talking about social issues. And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. Terrible. Tangents <laughs> all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping the fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think no, not right now. <laughs> Shut up, just... colonizer! <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? You on Twitter at VFU Podcast. So you can find them, you can find them. So check one, two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Okay, what Flav was trying to say is, check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground. I cannot thank you enough for being part of the show today, my friend. But for now, Laker Tom, we're going to go ahead and head on out. But before we do, got to go ahead and give a big mention out there. If you like our show, please go ahead and subscribe and also give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please go ahead and and help us out because it makes us more visible out there to Lakers fans. If you have any questions for us, we're at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter or Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to go ahead and give you the floor because Lakerholics.net is a great place to go to carry on the conversation. A great forum indeed for basketball talk and also at this point right now, coronavirus talk. But for Lakers talk mainly, what's going on with all the stuff at Lakerholics.net? Well, it's kind of interesting that uh, one of the subjects that's being discussed right now is whether or not the Lakers, whether or not it's better for the Lakers to have the season resumed or not. I'm obviously in one of those people who. I just feel like we're getting robbed. I felt we were the best team in the league at the point in time that this season was suspended. I think that it's, for one thing, it's not going to be the same. It's not like it's the same playoffs for the same season. And there's a lot of people on the blog who sort of feel like, you know, uh, how can you how can you go ahead and continue after a two-month layoff and running a tournament to see who's going to be in in the playoffs and, and who's going to be threatening to the teams in the finals? My proposal always was that was that they basically, you know, that the Lakers basically should get an automatic buy. The Lakers and the Bucks get a buy to play in the finals, and that uh, or in the, let's say the conference finals, and then they have a tournament basically as a way of compressing the season. They have a tournament to see who would play, who would be the best team in the East and the best team in the West to go against the Bucks and Lakers, and then you play for a championship. But there's a big question in a lot of people's minds that, okay, you've got whatever you do is going to have such a huge asterisk on it. It's going to be a two-month delay before you even do anything. What, are you going to have a tournament? And then what What happens in the tournament? Maybe, the, maybe all of a sudden the Golden State Warriors win the tournament, and they come up and they play the Lakers for the semifinal, for the conference finals. So there's all of these various things, and and some of the fans are, are ready to just, you know, give it up and move on to next year. I think that's, uh, a, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of angst between the whole thing that it's almost, it's almost unseemly to be thinking of an NBA playoffs when we're looking at possibly a hundred to 200,000 people dying in the coronavirus. So I'm not sure how that's all going to play out. And I think that uh, it's going to be a struggle to, to see that this, any result that comes out of it. I mean, I have half of the people probably on the blog feel like the Lakers should be declared the champion right now. Co-champions along with the Milwaukee Bucks. And we'll take 16 and a half NBA championships as our as our uh, total for the thing. Um, you know what they say about ties, my friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Personally, talking about all those great games that we just finished talking about, I want to see some more of that before this year is over. I want to see LeBron have a chance and Anthony Davis have a chance to win a championship. I don't care how they structure it. I don't care if it turned it into March Madness and you have to win every game and it's win or go home. 
Um, one way or another, I think I want to have a chance for the Lakers to win it. And I'm hoping that we'll take care of the coronavirus thing and get that opportunity. I think that there's uh, there's something cathartic about being able to actually finish the season, you know. And I think it's important to uh, – I know it's important for my psyche. I'm going to feel robbed and cheated if it doesn't happen, you know. I'll probably feel robbed and cheated if we don't win at all and if it happens and we lose to, lose to Milwaukee or lose to anybody else. Um, I do think that the Lakers, I don't know, you know, I think in the end, do the Lakers have an advantage because they can rest LeBron? They'll get arrested LeBron and, and an arrested AD, both of whom were dinged up a little bit. And the Clippers maybe get the same thing. I don't think that counts as much as who was playing. Playoffs have always been who went into the playoffs hot. It's who was playing the best basketball when they got into the playoffs. And what really irks me is that we were playing the best basketball in the league and we proved it right when they had suspended everything. So well, I don't see how we last game because that was against New Jersey and they lost. Yeah, but, but the that weekend was, before. Let's let's the go weekend back to before the weekend before we showed everybody the week before, the couple of weeks before that, we showed everybody we were the we were the team that was going in there that was the hottest. They had the most impressive wins and so forth. And I don't think we can bottle that back up. I don't think there's any guarantee we can bottle that back up. So I think that it's a disadvantage for us if we have to go in starting fresh. It's an advantage to somebody like Philadelphia who wasn't playing well and and had a lot of injuries. They could come back and be tough in the East, you know. And they're a team that that is an interesting matchup against the Lakers because Simmons is a very hard cover for the Lakers to cover. I'm not as worried about Embiid. I'm more worried about Simmons in that situation. So it'll be interesting to see. I think so. Most of the people in the blog are are kind of split between, you know, what's going to happen. We're all sort of waiting to see. And part of it is because the outcome of what's going to happen for the NBA, unfortunately, is tied as to what's going to happen to America, what's going to happen to the world with this pandemic. So it's it's all tied together in this you can't, it's, it's almost like politics today. You know, it's, you, you don't want anything, you want, you want good things to happen. You don't want anything tragic to happen, but at the same time, you realize that, that, you know, all of the other things that you want to have see happen are sort of tied to it. We just have to wait and see. So I keep my fingers crossed and I'm just hoping that uh, everything will work out well. well. We'll solve this, this, this emergency in the country and, and rise to the occasion and, the NBA will get back in force. The Yankees will have spring training. 49ers will start their season, and uh, and uh, we'll get into fall, and nobody will remember or we'll be able to at least forget for a moment all of the tragedy that's happened for these few months that are going. Well, my hopes for a speedy recovery for the entire world from this coronavirus, I'm hoping that everybody will get out of it as best we can. And then also, please, everybody out there, stay safe. Follow the guidelines that the experts are asking you to go ahead and do. It's not going to take that much effort to go ahead for social distancing. Stay at home as much as you can, please, because it's in your best interest, and it's also in the best interest of everybody else. Try and do what you can to stay healthy, stay safe. And, my friend, before we head on out, a chance to go ahead, even if a truncated playoff scenario it would still be very satisfying for the Lakers to go ahead and win a world championship, no matter what the circumstances are for whatever is left of the season or whatever could be left. I would love to see them happen at Staples Center, but if it happens, you know, in Milwaukee, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Doesn't have quite the same je ne sais quoi as the Lakers winning for the first time at Boston Garden their championship in 1985. But you know what? I'll definitely take it. Yeah, same here. Same here. All right, my friend. It's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for being a part of it. Just so glad to have you on here. And thanks, everyone, for listening out there. Please, again, stay safe, stay healthy. And thanks again to all the awesome healthcare workers out there. Keep doing the great job you're doing. We're all behind you from all of us right here at the Lakers Fast Break.